Hello, everyone, and welcome to Queen's Speech, the podcast where two old shirtlifters talk about the impact of gender ideology on same-sex attracted people, lesbians, gay men, and on occasion, bisexuals. This is episode 65, and we've got a number of things to discuss this morning. First of all, Labour Conference. Secondly, Lesbian Erasure in Glasgow and in Australia. We'll get onto that a bit later. And we're going to be talking about losers who effed around and found out by shouting at women at Let Women Speak Liverpool, at a book launch in Edinburgh University, and at the Philia Conference in Glasgow. So lots to talk about. How are you anyway, Mr. Dennis? How's things going? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good, thanks. Um, very busy. Um, obviously, I was up at Labour Conference last weekend, so I sort of recovered from that. I'm looking forward to LGB Alliance Conference in a couple of weeks' time, and I'm looking forward to speaking at the Battle of Ideas, which you are coming to as my guest. So busy, but yeah, good busy, I would say. That's how I am. How are you? Uh, I'm okay, yes. I had my flu jab yesterday. So mm -hmm. uh, last night I felt very unwell, but mm. this morning I'm fine. Back to normal. Good. A bit painful Good. in my arm, but that's to be expected. I guess we should give uh, listeners a heads up that there'll be no Queen's Speech on the weekend of October 27, 28, 29, because of LGBA conference and the Battle of Ideas. So we don't have time to record. Mm. I'll try and do something maybe midweek just to tide people over. But that's where we are. Good. Now, we were hoping to get Jenny Watson on this week to talk about one of the stories we're going to talk about today. But uh, we couldn't get our schedules organised. I'm hoping to get her on the podcast for next week. And I've got a long list of guests that I want to invite onto the show. I've become very bold, Mr. Dennis, about inviting people <laughs> after just wading in and asking asking Neil Hanvey to join us. So <laughs> expect more guests on the podcast. I thought we could have Dr. Az Hakim on because he's got a book to flog. Yeah, he'd be great. He'd be brilliant. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure he'd be up for it as well. So yeah, let's work on that. Excellent. So we're going to start with the Labour Conference. You were there, weren't you, Dennis? You said you went to Labour conference. I was, I was. I, we weren't allowed a stand inside conference because, you know, Labour Women's Declaration, LGB Alliance, Lesbian Labour, Gay Men's Network, we're, we're verboten. So we're not allowed to actually go inside along with Google and the rest of them. Although I do, I do understand actually from Paula from Lesbian Labour that at the last minute they had a gap and they offered us a stand, but it was some exorbitant sum of money and we'd already booked a venue. So yeah, I went up with the fantastic Mr. Menno and um, we did a joint event with Lesbian Labour and um, Bev Jackson and Dermot from LGB Alliance and it was it was a pretty good event, I thought. Actually, I ha I have to say, I left there a lot less worried about a Labour government, and I say that because there were some really nice, sort of on the ground Labour Party people who were saying to us, "Look, please, 
we we might not be saying much publicly, but please understand that we are with you and we are having these debates within the party. Now, I want them to go further than that. And there are still some things that frankly terrify me um, <laughs> about a Labour government, mainly to do with yes. Annalisa Dodds and what she says. But it was really reassuring to think, look, they, they've not all gone mad. They've not all drunk the gender Kool-Aid. It was good to to talk to people who seem, seem sensible on these issues. And, you know, I, I just think this is why Let Women Speak, I think, works as an event, because they were up on the same day as well, which we'll get to. Just meeting people face to face, it can be so effective, you know, it can be so different. And, and once you have a human interaction, it's so different to sort of just bantering on on Twitter. So I think we made some good progress. We all made speeches. Um, I think those speeches are going to be up at some point. Um, Menno did one, I did one, Bev Jackson, Paula, everyone. And yeah, we met up with the Let Women Speak crowd afterwards um, and had a fantastic, fantastic night in Liverpool. So anyway, that's just my story about Labour Party conference. But as, as I say, I, w- I was somewhat worried about um, principally Annalisa Dodds banging on about the conversion therapy bill. So that that was my view of it. But what did, what did you think? Well, uh, I didn't follow a lot of it, to be honest with you. I know Keir Starmer gave a keynote speech in which mm. he unveiled five promises uh, for a new Britain. One of them I thought was rather good was the idea of building new towns, uh, more new towns. I thought that was quite a good idea. But like you, I was rather perturbed, not just by um, Annalise Dodds, but also by Lisa Nandy. And let me explain that for you. So let's let's start with Lisa Nandy, who, who, as you know, got into a bit of a stramash with J.K. Rowling. Lisa got up and said, quote, Women's rights are human rights and human rights are non-negotiable. My absolute priority will be to embolden and empower women and girls in every part of the world. Now, I don't know if you remember, Dennis, but when she was campaigning for Labour leadership after the disastrous 2019 election, she said at a hustings of some kind the following... I believe fundamentally in people's right to self-ID. So I think that crimes that are recorded should be recorded as that person wishes. This was in response to a question about the housing of male offenders in female prisons. Mm. She then went on to say, you asked about whether trans people should be in women's or men's prisons. I think trans women are women and trans men are men. So I think they should be accommodated in the prison of their choosing. Mm. Yes, this led J.K. Rowling to say that uh, Lisa Nandy was part of the reason why women don't trust Labour. Yeah, I think that I think that's a, absolutely a fair point. I think it was Dr. Julia Long who asked that question because there's quite a famous gif or meme going around Twitter where... Julia asked the question, and then she knows the answer she's going to get. She turns back to the camera and just sort of grins <laughs> with Lee, as Lisa Nandy's talking nonsense. Yep. Um, the only thing I would say is that yeah. that was a very different time politically. I don't know if you remember, but during that leadership campaign, the contenders were invited to sign a terrible list of pledges by some sort of trans group, or it might have even been, mm-hmm. you know, young LGBT, WTF, lol, Labour. And the pledges included condemning mm-hmm. the LGB alliance, and they all merrily signed it, apart from Keir Starmer, interestingly enough. He could, he, he could spot 
that that would have been mm -hmm. an issue. And if we cycle forward a bit, <clears throat> Lisa Nandy's changed her position on this. And in fact, rather embarrassingly, she said, oh, when I said that, i.e. the answer to Dr. Long's question, I'm afraid I'd been swayed by young staffers. It's like, great, Lisa, that's brilliant. So what, <laughs> you, 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 we, we, can, we can trust you on prisons policy only to the extent the kid in your office hasn't told you that massive great meaty rapists should be put in female prison. I mean, it doesn't inspire confidence, right? but I suppose she had to say something. The, the political no. mood has has now changed, hasn't it? Because um, subsequent to that, of course, Penny Morden, I think, was the first person on, on the other side of the House of Commons to pay a real political price for saying trans women are women. She had to backtrack like hell on that in the Conservative leadership race to replace Boris Johnson. I think it cost her the leadership because when she then backtracked, Pink News and all the rest of them, you know, had had a fit, didn't they? And if Penny Morden says anything now on Twitter and they all come for her, you know, she's managed to upset both sides. So where we are now on, on self-ID with the Labour Party is still worrying. They still want to make it easier, but the Labour Party policy is to maintain um, the requirement for a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. So it, you still need that diagnosis. I think the, the, the Labour policy is that it should just be one doctor now and not two doctors. So it's, it's easier. They can still say they've, reform, quote, reformed the process, but it, it's not full-on self-ID. So the Labour Party have moved dramatically on that. I still happen to think it's a dangerous policy because, as I think we've said before, what happens if there's a Dr. Helen Wibberley type character who, who will hand out these diagnoses? I, I don't, I mean, it is a psychiatric diagnosis, I guess, Clive. I don't know if that is, if, if my concern there is, is a realistic one or not. But I guess the point is Labour have moved on that issue. From what I can see, I can't tell if they've moved on conversion therapy, and that's the one that really worries me. Yes, that's the one that worries me too, which brings us to Annalisa Dodds. Annalisa Dodds, in her speech to the conference, said, it's Labour that is the true party of women's equality. Really? Now, I'm yeah. going to rewind again to a rather lengthy quote from what Annalisa Dodds said when asked what is a woman on Radio 4. She said, well, I have to say that there are different definitions legally around what a woman actually is. I mean, you look at the definition within the Equality Act, and I think it just says someone who is adult and female, I think, but then doesn't see how you define either of those things. I mean, obviously, that's then you've got the biological definition, legal definition, mm -hmm. Yeah. You can tell how how fumbly she is about this. She I, then I just can't, said can't when pressed when pressed further, she said, I think with respect, Emma, I think it does depend what the context is. Surely, I mean, surely that's important here. You know, there are people who have decided that they have to make that transition. You know, I've spoken with many of them. It's been a very difficult process for many of those people. And you know, understandably, because they live as a woman, they want to be defined as a woman. Right. Well, I can't make any sense of that, mm -hmm. can you? The opening of that quote, this is Kemi Badenoch's shadow, right? Okay. If if Labour wins, she'll replace Kemi Badenoch as the Minister for Equality, right? 
uh, the opening of that quote yeah. indicates she is not familiar with the provisions of the Equality Act. <laughs> it's like, I think it says this. It's like, what? Do, yeah. Have you considered reading it? <laughs> <laughs> she 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 then went on to further hilarity. Okay. She said, "For thirteen years, this useless conservative government." has failed to do anything to boost diversity in politics. So as usual, right. it's left right. to Labour to put that right. Yeah. This is coming from someone who's a member of a party that's never, ever had a female leader, except for a brief period during an interregnum when mm. um, Margaret Beckett held the coats for the lads who were battling it out for the leadership. She's also saying yeah. this about a government that's got an Asian prime minister, an Asian mm. home secretary, a black foreign secretary, and a black female business secretary. <laughs> <laughs> so what is she on about? And we could, we could add to that, the last two chancellors of the Exchequer, I think, before Jeremy Hart, were Nadim Zahawi and Sajid Javid. <laughs> it's a bit rich, isn't it, to say, oh, yes. the Tories don't do diversity. I mean, you know, what, this is not party political. Whatever side of the divide you're on, I just can't, I can't believe the, the, the chutzpah of that woman, although, sorry, the chutzpah of that woman. <laughs> chutzpah, yes. Chutzpah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. That, so that is four of the great offices of state have been held by people from different backgrounds to white British. Yeah. I don't know that you can say the same for the Labour Party when they were in power. I can't remember. So she says also, this is the thing that concerns me most, like you, is she said, we will deliver where the Conservatives have failed by bringing in a full, no-loopholes, trans-inclusive ban on conversion therapy. Subject yeah. that we've discussed many times on this podcast before. And yeah. I think we've fairly concluded that what this is, is a Trojan horse to bring in a pretty much a ban on anything except immediate so-called gender-affirming care, which mm. means primarily the prescription of puberty blockers and wrong sex hormones for underage people. Would you agree, just, Mr. I, D? Yeah, well, I, sort of, um, with these caveats. I, I just think Annalisa Dodds is not very good at her job, and I think she's about... 24 months behind the news cycle. And, and I say that for this reason. To your point about puberty blockers, as you know, the NHS interim service specification, uh, as we've discussed on this pod beforehand, says that they are not to be routinely prescribed because the evidence base is so thin and that they can only be administered as part of a clinical trial. That clinical trial now looks like it will never get off the ground following the evidence from the Tavistock that 71% uh, of, of the cohort there experienced either neutral or negative mental health consequences as a result of this. In addition to which, if Labour do take power, by the time they do, Hillary Cass will have reported, uh, she's not, I think, going to stray from her model 
where she says that the new centers must be multidisciplinary. They must look for diversion um, and principally the clinical approach first and foremost is, is therapeutic. So I don't see how labor can introduce the very worst, you know, stonewall drafted conversion therapy ban that we fear uh, up against what is happening in the NHS. And it just makes me think that Annalisa Dodds is not on top of her brief on this. I am somewhat heartened by the fact that if Labour do take power, the next Secretary of State for Health will be Wes Streeting. Now, I have some reservations about Wes. He used, he used to work for Stonewall, but he's extremely savvy and he's a very smooth performer and he's a very bright man. And if he is sat there with the CAS report and the interim service specification, um, I think the points that we are making and the points that Hillary Cass is making, for goodness sake, and you know, the very same points Rishin Murphy got cancelled for making, um, I think those are going to, to be heard by him. But, you know, it, it, this is the trouble, I'm afraid, when you have a weak performer and someone who's as I say, doesn't appear to be on top of their brief. If you listen to Annalisa Dodds, it just looks like she's not listening to us whatsoever. But I do wonder if they've been overtaken by events on this. I don't know, Clive. Maybe I'm being too hopeful. Maybe I'm being naive there. But my hope is that events have overtaken them. I think events possibly have overtaken them. But you can never underestimate the incompetence of politicians to do something that's popular with a certain section of the community without taking into account that it runs completely counter to what the evidence shows us. So I'm not 100% reassured by the fact that the conversation has moved on without Annalisa Dodds. I get your point about Wes Streeting and about him being health secretary and how he might be reluctant to go ahead with this. But mm. I'm the, the commitment was given there at conference. And once the commitment's given, then you're going to see a lot of people complaining, moaning, making a fuss if it doesn't happen. And... I think in the early days of a Labour government, they could well be so keen on avoiding another catastrophic defeat at another election that they might be overcautious and bend like a reed in the wind, which we've mm. seen Keir Starmer do, frankly. Mm. So yeah. I'm not so sure. I have to say, though, mm. that uh, if anyone remains unconvinced about the... Um, the lack of wisdom behind a conversion therapy ban that's inclusive of trans identity, mm. they'd do well to look at Malcolm Clark's recent Substack article about this very thing, where he talks about the adolescent brain and how puberty blockers can interfere with the development of adult executive functions, if you like. So emotional regulation and risk-taking behaviour. I'd encourage everyone to read that article, and I'll put a link to it in the description, because yeah. it's brilliant. He, he lays out very carefully how 
This actually conflicts with what we know about the adolescent brain. People really are not fully cooked until their early 20s. Up until that point, they are still adolescents operating with an adolescent brain. And yeah. one of the things that it, one of the um, cognitive, I don't want to call them deficits, but co cognitive inclinations it gives adolescents is to constantly seek the approval of their peers, to yeah. take risks where yeah. adults wouldn't take them, and to seek novelty and thrills and excitement. So you can yeah. see how a trans identity gives them all of that, really. It gives them the approval of their peers. It gives them a bit of a high, if you like. And also, when it comes to making decisions about their medical care, they might not be fully able to judge the, the risks and benefits of approaches like puberty blockers, wrong sex hormones. Of course they're not. Yeah, of course they're not. You know, how can you say to someone who's never had an orgasm, take this, you go on to cross-sex hormones, you'll never orgasm, oh yeah, I'm all right with that. That's not informed consent. As I've said before, puberty is a human right. And... In addition to the points you raise about cognition, let's add in Stella O'Malley's point, shall we, about concretizing identity. Because one of the things you look for and one of the things you experiment with as an adolescent, and it's perfectly normal, is your identity. That's why kids join subcultures. That's why some kids become goths. Some kids join bands. That's okay. That's normal. We should just be leaving these poor damned kids alone. They've got enough problems. They don't need a bloody gender identity layered on top of that. And if you do that, and, and it, to use Stella's phrase, if you concretize that, you're going to trap kids in what is going to be, and is beginning to look like a global medical scandal. You know, that's, that's the point here. This is an experiment on a generation of autistic, looked after, and same-sex attracted kids, as we have said so many times before. And just going back to the Labour Party, I'm, I'm afraid I am a bit obsessed with this. I am a bit of a single-issue voter, and I make no apology for that because one of, one of my jobs as a gay man, and I think you feel the same, is to look after the next generation of our community. And if the next generation of our community are at risk from experimental surgical correction. I'm damn well going to vote on that issue. And um, if the Labour Party are not prepared to either be upfront about it or to, to leave me in any doubt that, that, that the next generation are going to be damaged, they're not going to get my vote. And I will, uh, I'm, as a lifelong Labour voter, I will very happily switch blue on this because it's that important to me because this is about lives that will be ruined if we don't get this right. So that's where I am on the issue. Well, as you know, I've been a Conservative voter ever since Corbyn was leader of the Labour Party. Uh, yeah. There was no way I wanted him anywhere near the reins of power. But this yeah. particular issue, yes, it is about it is about protecting the future generation of gay men and lesbians because those are the people that end up being targeted by yeah. the gender identity industry. And by giving those people, those young people, puberty blockers, you actually rob them. Not only do you concretize the identity, you actually mm. rob them of the cognitive equipment to think this through. Exactly. Uh, uh, I'm reading a book at the moment, which, which was recommended by Malcolm Clark about the adolescent brain. And mm. it used to be the case that we thought the brain stopped developing late childhood. But as we've 
found out since that time, thanks to functional magnetic resonance imaging studies, the brain remains a plastic organ throughout the whole of your life. And particularly during the period from puberty to about the age of 23, 24. There are things that happen to the brain. This is what creates the chaos of adolescence. There's a process called dendritic pruning, which means that connections that were made in childhood between neurons that you needed in order to develop the ability to walk and talk and what have you, those are shed. But also Mm. connections between neurons are made stronger and your ability to reason things through becomes a lot quicker and a lot more focused than it was when you were uh, just coming into puberty. So we're actually robbing young people of that process, which means that not only have you robbed them of their normal puberty, you've robbed them, therefore, of ever being able to think this through properly. Mm. And always being emotionally and cognitively behind the rest of the cohort that they are part yeah. of. Now, this is not confirmed by research. This is something that has been known for 20 years, but so called gender specialists have not looked into the effect yeah. of puberty blockers on cognition and emotional regulation when they really should have been. But it seems yeah. more likely than not that puberty blockers will interfere with this process at a time when it's absolutely essential for developing into a fully mature adult. And that is horrific. It's, it's just, uh, words fail me sometimes. You know, we've gone backwards um, so far. It's actually more dangerous to grow up gay today than it was 15 years ago. I mean, that is a very, very sad comment because mm. today... You're at risk if you've got the wrong parents, certainly if you're autistic, right? You, you've got the risk of being marched down the gender abattoir. The, the, this is, this is uh, words fail me, Clive. But anyway, there we are. There we are. There we are. Well, we'll, we'll keep an eye. I mean, things aren't looking too, too good for centre-left parties, though, on a global scale. Because I understand mm. in New Zealand that the uh, centre-left party there, also called Labour, is receiving a bit of a bashing in the New Zealand general election. Mm, That was the last I heard. Uh, The last I heard was that they were at 20-something percent and the Conservatives in New Zealand, who were called the National Party, they're on something like 40. So it it looks, from from what I know about that, that it looks like they're about to take a bit of a hammering now that that could be interesting for what happens to gender in new zealand meanwhile over the the water in australia it's not a gender issue but the voice has just failed it would seem spectacularly in a national referendum now that is tangentially linked because it's one of those woke sort of government projects which whether you're for it or against it 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 it, it, it's one of those sort of things, a bit like gender, that's a substitute for governing rather than actually governing. It's supposed, you know, it was supposed to be a great sort of celebratory virtue signal um, about what a, a, a proponents would say about what a modern accepting place Australia is. But it, but it's gone down like a bucket of sick 
uh, I think principally because the proponents of it refuse to say what it would actually look like. Trudeau looks like he's in trouble uh, over in Canada on on the polling that that I've seen just looking at Canadian Twitter. So yeah, I think you're I think you're right. That that picture seems to be emerging um, across the planet, apart from our own country, of course. But then we've got a you know a fairly exhausted conservative government that's been in power for thirteen years. So I would sort of expect that, to be honest. Yes, I I would too, but. Just judging by the global picture, it seems that people's appetite for virtue signalling politics is rapidly diminishing. Mm. The the voice, for those of you who don't know, was about the um, it was about amplifying the voices of uh, Aboriginal people and island people in Australia. I don't know the full shape of it, but then it seems like its proponents don't know what the full shape of it would look like, but it was some kind of advisory body. This was a sort of pet project of the Australian Labour Party, I think, or the no, the Liberal Party. No, 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 it's the other way around. It's the Labour Party. The Liberals in Australia are right. conservative. Right, okay. So this was a pet project of the Australian Labour Party. That's not going very well. Not going very no. well at all just been called as a no right okay well i'm not going to comment on that because i don't know enough about australian politics but what i do know is that this was like you say one of those woke virtual signaling government um initiatives and it seems to have been rejected by the vast majority of people except in some rather middle class areas, I believe. Yeah, I know the Australian Capital Territory voted yes, but it, it is looking now like every single state has voted no, which is extraordinary. So New South Wales, which is where Sydney is, I would have expected that to go yes, it, it hasn't, it's gone 57%. No, Victoria, has, it looks like, has gone 52%, which is where Melbourne is, has gone 52%. No. So interesting, very, very interesting stuff. It's a Brexit moment, I think, for Australia. (laughs) Well, we shall find out. I mean, the next election doesn't need to be held until January 2025, I think, because we had a very late election, which brought in the 2019 Conservative government. Lots can happen in that time. A week is a long time in politics. A year is is a lifetime. So we'll wait and see. Now, our next subject also includes some stuff from Australia because lesbians have been told that they are not allowed to hold an event in the Pride Centre in Victoria. This is the Lesbian Action Group who, um, for International Lesbian Day, asked if they could hold an event in um, the St Kilda Pride Centre or so, so taxpayer-funded, right? It's supposed to be for the gay community. And because Julia Gillard put gender identity into law, as I said in a thread about this subject, under Aus- uh, the Australian Human Rights Commission believed that in Aussie law, there are now two sorts of lesbians, um, male lesbians and female lesbians. And I feel ludicrous even saying that, but that's what they think. Now, that being the case, the Lesbian Action Group had to apply uh, for an exemption Um, to the Human Rights Commission. And that exemption was to allow them to breach the Sex Discrimination Act without getting sued for it. it, It's just insane, isn't it? So what they were asking for was a special 
order that the commission can make that says, yeah, you can have a women-only event. So what happened was the Lesbian Action Group pointed out that they used to have these events in 2003-ish. They then got threatened with litigation by trans activists. As a result, they went underground. They had private meetings, so 20 years now of private meetings for lesbians um, across Australia. Um, these pride centers that are supposed to be for the community, they're now peopled by trans-identified males and straight people calling themselves queer. We're not allowed into our own spaces. Um, and bless them, 20 years later, they, they applied for this exemption. The commission expressed a preliminary view, and their preliminary view was to say that holding a lesbian-only event, quote, makes distinctions that are undesirable, and it makes distinctions between different kinds of women um, cis women and women of trans experience. I pause at that point to say that the word cis is unknown to Australian law. This um, commission is completely captured. And it then basically wrote a judgment saying, oh, if you hold this event, you'll be excluding the poor trans-identified males who, as we know, gatecrash any lesbian event they can because they enjoy breaching boundaries. Now, th that was the preliminary view. Before the final decision, a number of fantastic organisations, including Lesbian Action Group, including LGB Alliance Australia, lots of personal submissions. Edie Wyatt, who writes for Spectator Australia, did a wonderful personal submission about this, which she published on her Substack, which I highly recommend reading. And everyone pointed out, look, it's 2023 and you're saying lesbians cannot meet in public because that is a breach of someone else's human rights. Well, what about the human rights of, of actual lesbians? It's just extraordinary. So the commission have doubled down. Mm. They've said, no, you can't have your meeting. I regard this as extraordinary. Lesbians used to have a right to public assembly, a right they would have in the United Kingdom, by the way, because sex and same-sex attraction are protected characteristics. Right, you could you you could have this in the United Kingdom, but you can't have it in Australia. So, thankfully, there's been a bit of an outcry about this, and now that the voice referendum is done, I expect more noise on this because this is absurd. Lesbians used to have the human rights to to meet. That human right has been taken away by the Human Rights Commission. It would seem. Anyway, I know that people on the ground um, are meeting. And they're determined to fight this. Good on them. And I noticed, uh, funnily enough, talking about Edie Wyatt, that the the women from the Lesbian Action Group appeared on Edie and Kit Kowalski's podcast, The Dollhouse, which I'm going to listen to later, talking about this. And I recommend everyone has a listen to these brave and brilliant women. And the next step will be to appeal to an administrative tribunal against this decision. I would expect that to happen. And obviously, we will be doing everything we can to amplify this issue, to stand with these brave women. Gay Men's Network have sent our solidarity. I see the Lesbian Project, that's Julie Bindel and Kath Stock's outfit have sent there. So have LGB Alliance. So if you're, if you're on Twitter, please find the Lesbian Action Group. Please follow them. Please support them. Please amplify them. Because we need to bring international pressure to this. We need to say, you know, it's not. We need to stand in solidarity with gay people, but both lesbians and gay men. Because what you know, what's source for the goose is source for the gander. Here, we we need to say that this is not okay. That you you can't 
use gender to um, to beat us back into the closet because that's what's happening here. Private meetings that is right back into the closet. And as I said in the thread about this, please be under no illusions, everyone. This is what happens when you put gender identity into law. This is what happens, right? Because once gender identity is in law, there's two types of men and there's two types of women. That is the madness that happens. The minute you put gender identity onto the statute book, um, it is women's rights and it is gay rights that suffer. Australia has just demonstrated this beyond doubt. So that's what's happening there. We expected this decision from the commission. As in a tweet, the Lesbian Action Group said, it's a bit of a kick in the guts. And I agree with them. It, it is. It's horrible to read this stuff in black and white. It's horrible to read that same-sex attraction is now hateful and prejudiced. But we knew that that's, where, that's how these guys think of us. Um, but we will, we will fight this and, and us abroad will offer what support we can. So, yeah, that's where we are with it, Clive. Yes. Well, mm. <laughs> I have Getting no words to describe yeah. this. It's utterly insane that this Human Rights Commission, so-called, can consider the rights of, I can't believe I'm even saying this, male lesbians over exactly. the rights of actual lesbians. And let's not forget that when we talk about trans lesbians, what we're actually talking about are heterosexual men. Exactly. They're men yeah. who yeah. are attracted to women. I saw that the, the UN posted on X something about trans lesbians are lesbians. And I could not believe that this international organization was putting its weight behind this nonsense it's a total slap in the face but i did see some great pushback from women's groups and lesbian groups who who, who said exactly what Mag the late great magdalene burns once said about this which is you guys are pushing rape culture right you are pushing the cotton ceiling you're pushing exactly what we've just described in australia breaching a boundary you know saying you you can't have your events unless you let us turn up and as Jenny, who runs the speed dating event that we're going to talk about, um, pointed out, the minute, and, and we understand this as gay men, the minute you have a situation where someone of the opposite sex comes into that environment, it just changes the vibe. That's true for gay men, but we're men at the end of the day. It's damn well true for lesbians. Like, How many spaces do lesbians actually have? There are no lesbian bars in London. There are two lesbian bars in the whole of the state of Victoria. LGB Alliance Australia put that in their submission. They did a study called um, The Lost Lesbian Spaces. These guys, guys people don't realise how precious these spaces are for gay people, right? We are in the minority. We don't often get to be in a space where we actually feel, wow, everyone around us is like us. That's special. That's important. That you know, that is a right we used to have, and that is being taken from us um, by this by this ideology. And the UN pushing this are just complicit in it. But but as I say, Clive, the the, mm. the nice thing was to see that that got quite so much pushback. People have really had enough of this. And and as you say, you know what what is a trans lesbian? It's a straight bloody man, right? That's what it is at the end of the day. And I'm so sick 
of being told that these are the most marginalized people on the planet. They don't seem marginalized and they don't seem to be shrinking violets because they're forever turning up to lesbian events, actually. And they seem to have the support of the bloody UN. I just, I'm sick of this and I'm very glad to see significant and substantial pushback to it. Yes, me too. Absolutely. And talking of Jenny Watson and lesbian erasure, she posted mm. she posted on X uh, this week her account of an event that took place at the Polo Lounge in Glasgow. As I yeah. understand it, Jenny travelled to Glasgow for the Philia Conference, which yeah. is an international feminist conference. And mm. she popped into the Polo Lounge, Glasgow, for a drink. While mm. she was there, there was a drag act on. The yeah. drag act was a man called Tom Harlow. Tom Harlow, we'll come on to him a bit later as well. Hmm. She was filming him. Now, I've been in drag bars loads and loads and loads of times, and people will film the act. Yeah, so quite why he focused on her filming him, I don't know. But he did. And then mm. he basically instigated an a, an in real life pile on by saying things yeah. like, "You look like a turf. You look yeah. like a turf." She ended up being ejected from that bar by security at the instigation of this man, Tom Harlow. You who's can, a you drag can, ejected queen and ejected from the bar for what? For ejected. what? Yes. I, mean, I have no idea. And, and, uh, I think we. I think we know why. I think he recognised her. That's the only conclusion I can form because he's quite, he's very online. This bloke and a warning to that bar: it, it, denying someone a service in that fashion and ejecting them amounts to discrimination and harassment under the Equality Act. Hadn't considered that actually. I shall be speaking to Jenny about. I mean, she's probably got enough on her plate, I suppose. But yeah, this is just appalling. Mm. And once again, once again, a gay space and the lesbians kicked out. It's all, It's almost like a pattern here, isn't it? That's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous, Clive. I didn't, I didn't realise she was kicked out. God, well. Yes, she was. She was kicked out by security. That is the Polo Lounge, Glasgow. They will kick you out if a drag queen says you look like a turf. Great. That drag queen also he also um, bills himself as a boylesque entertainer. Right. So you know a, a boy who does stripping and uh, Dieter von Tees type stuff. Yeah. He then pitched up the next day outside the Felia conference at eight thirty in the morning with his microphone and amplifier. In yeah. his capacity as the uh, leader of some kind and singer, in heavy inverted commas, for mm. Cabaret Against the Hate, yeah, which you'll know, yeah. Dennis, turns up to a lot of women's events to protest them. They were yeah. on the opposite side of the street from the Felia Conference. Women from across the world were queuing up to get into this event and they were treated to Tom Harlow singing the Lily Allen song, F.U. Right. 
But talking about, of course, the women who were going into the conference. Now, from what I can gather, trans issues weren't even on the agenda for this conference. Mm. What they were protesting were the fact that certain non-compliant women were attending the event. Among them, I can only assume, Jenny Watson. So this yeah. man was not content with getting a lesbian thrown out of a lesbian and gay bar. He then went on to harass other women attending an international feminist conference for no other reason than women were congregating without men in dresses being present. Yeah, I think I think he just enjoys bullying women. Um, I, I, I did a thread about this and I called it recreational misogyny by the bored and the boring. And I think mm. that's what this is. I think this is his recreation. This, you know, it's recreational misogyny. That's what it is. And as you, as you've said, philia, um, pr you know, principally, it, I've been following the Sex Matters feed on this. Um, it is it, it talks about all sorts of things. It talks about FGM. It talks about you know women exiting prostitution. It talks about violence against women and girls. Yes, there are things related to. Uh, the principle that women are a real biological sex class, like the Sex Matters campaign for single sex services. But that is only part of the discussion. At, at the end of the day, it's very clear, isn't it, that what is really being objected to here is the temerity of wrong-thinking women daring to gather because this man would rather suppress their right to free speech, political assembly, um, civic discussion, and in Jenny's case, to even social spaces meant for homosexuals. This this is a, a it's a form of fascism. This this is telling women to shut up. It, it, as I say, I, you know, it is recreational misogyny, and it's it, it's striking. I thought when I saw those images that it's him stood there, right, with his microphone mincing about. And there's a group of handmaidens, and they're like assistants on a game show, I said in my thread. And they really were holding the, you know, their banner with feminism must include trans women, i.e. men, right? Um, th that's what this is. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, this is male-led. This is men's rights. And uh, to see it coming from the gay community is just desperately, desperately sad to me. Gay men of all people should understand how important it is for you know to be in a, a space away from straight blokes you would have thought that that might cross his mind but it but it but it doesn't uh, the the only thing i thought was rather cheering about all this clive as i mentioned to you before we started recording is that humza yusuf the first minister of scotland was asked about these antics and was pretty condemnatory uh, about them, certainly a radical departure from where he's been before. Now, given that there was a rather, how do I put this, hefty trans-identified male Green councillor there, and Humza is in coalition with the Greens, I thought that was pretty interesting that he's now saying, you know, yes, this looks mm. appalling. And I noticed that our friend Tom did not respond to that very well and went full caps lock and, you know, you've been misled, First Minister. This is hateful, la, la, la. And I just thought to myself, is this just the beginning of this lot, the grasp on power and influence slipping? Is that just the beginnings of it, even in even in Scotland, perhaps? Well, yes. 
I think that can only be the case. <laughs> In a word. Because we come to an we come to two other instances. I'm gonna start off with uh, a man called Johnny, who mm. was part of a protest against a book launch at Edinburgh University. Mm. The book launch is uh, for Sex and Gender, a Contemporary Reader, which looks at this subject from a range of different angles. It's a collection of essays. And of course, yeah. some of the people contributing to this collection of essays have met with the disapproval of the TQ Plus crowd. Yeah. He turned up to this protest outside the book launch when he was interviewed about it he was asked what he knew about the book. And he said, <laughs> I haven't read it. I haven't looked at it. But gender studies experts have told me, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah. This would be fine if he was just a student at Edinburgh University, but he's not. He is mm. a doctor of philosophy and he is a member of staff. And yeah. his field is biochemistry, one of the natural sciences, not even the social <laughs> sciences, uh, PhD. Biochemistry, yeah. natural sciences, PhD. Somebody yeah. who should have at least one idea about critical thinking and about the need for evidence. But apparently the mutterings of a few gender studies experts, which basically is a oxymoron as far as I can see, <laughs> telling him yeah. that this book was going to be harmful meant that he turned up. He made lots of claims about people receiving threats and about how he'd been kicked by security. Footage then released post this shows him on the ground in front of the entrance to the building in which the book launch was being held, he's arching his back and sort of doing a crab in front of this uh, gap in the fencing through which a woman who wants to attend the event, event is trying to navigate. Yeah. And the security sort of push him gently over. The woman accidentally treads on one of the other protesters. They're all they're all sat there in front of the entrance, and then he goes on to make this big claim that people people were trodden on by attendees, people were kicked. It's all lies, and it's there on film. Pathetic, absolutely pathetic. A grown man arching his back, sticking his crotch in the way of a woman who must be in her 60s, just trying to get in there. Well, it didn't seem that his crotch presented that much of an obstacle, did it now? <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't that. <laughs> Not of sufficient size to impede entry to the premises. And that interview with him is hilarious, where the reporter's like, have you read the book? And he says, no, but I... And then he says, I loved this phrase, I trust... My friend's condemnation of it. It's like, mate, please, you'd be turning up to burn the witch in in the 17th century, wouldn't you? you you'd be, oh, I heard you. I heard, I heard mm -hmm. she was a witch. I, I heard she'd been seen with the devil. It's just, and then, as you've pointed out, to bleat on about, I was, I was attacked. They trod on me. No, you lay all over the floor like an idiot. Um, 
And I noticed that the dark hand yet again of the UCU, pathetic union in all of this. And I know the authors of the book, two of whom are Professor Selena Todd and Professor Alice Sullivan, had had a bit to say about the Edinburgh branch of the UCU, as well they might. That, you know, that union, now that's a union that needs an Equality Act action for the way that it carries on. And just the mention of those two authors, right? This isn't a screaming polemic. <laughs> like Those are two very, very serious academics. Alice Sullivan, for example, sort of doyen of statistics, has a chair in it at UCL, you know, knows her stuff, is a very serious academic. She's not going to be writing incendiary nonsense. She's she's the woman, I think, that the government have asked to have a look at the census after the gender clowns made a mess of it. That's the calibre of people that are being protested by this pathetic, pathetic man who, 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 you know, can't even read the book he's protesting. Unbelievable. Ludicrous, Clive. Mm. Ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Ludicrous, ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't even have had to have read the whole thing. He could have just taken a look at the contents page. He could have just yeah. taken a look at the women and men who were contributing to it. He could have just taken a look at anything yeah. to allow him to get a more accurate impression of the the working question. When it comes to the UCU, well, my experience of them tells me that those initials stand for, and I'll bleep this out, useless cunt union. <laughs> Listeners will have to guess what that was, but I can say it was very rude. <laughs> dear, oh dear, yes, dear. well, he, they deserve it. They deserve it. Hey. Loserdom didn't end with Dr. Johnny. Did it, Mr. Dennis? No. It was. No, it, there were no, certain it didn't. members of a certain band. They turned up to LWS Let Women Speak Liverpool, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, one of them looking like a superannuated <laughs> hippie from the early 70s, and the other one looking <laughs> like an extra from Brookside. <laughs> and uh, they were busy yeah. shouting at women. Who uh, they? I think they shouted out "boring" when someone was talking about violence against women and girls, and when a Jewish woman was talking about the experience of members of her family during the Holocaust, they instigated the shout, or they were part of the shout, I should say, uh, "Nazi scum off our streets." Can I add uh, one mm. as well that Archer, Archer the Empress put up on Twitter? Uh, one of them said, within hearing of a police officer, if they weren't here, they being the police there, if, if they weren't here, we, we would batter you. Charming, hey? Delightful, delightful. Mm. It turned mm. out subsequently that uh, the Brookside one had written some mm. very unfortunate tweets about eight years ago. Now, I'm not really mm. in favour of people going through people's ancient Twitter timeline to find nuggets to hold against them. But I'll make an exception in this case, because one of his yeah. tweets was, I can't wait to rape someone in Ayanapa. Bloody hell. And also mm. he used uh, a word that we're not allowed to say, which rhymes with granny to describe a trans woman as well. Oh, now, I'm fully yeah. on board with the idea. Yes, he did. Mm. I'm fully yeah. on board with the idea that people can change over the course of eight years, of course. 
Mm. And that what he said in 2015 may be very different to what he would say now, but it seems that the misogynistic urge has not left him. As a result of this, they've had some gigs cancelled, haven't they, Dennis? Yeah, they got dropped by their promoter as well. <laughs> and um, and it's culminated in them putting out a hilarious long thread today, which is like really lofty. It's like it, it's sort of like undergraduate gender studies nonsense. And it begins, quote, we didn't want to wade into this debate and draw attention away from the trans community. It's like, what? You turned up at the Albert Dock in Liverpool and screamed. Uh, women, you know. <laughs> it's like, and then it's written, it's almost like a, you know, like the when the minister, that little Britain sketch where the minister has to apologize, uh, his wife stood next to him awkwardly. And it's like, you know, a part of my body yes. is as I fell over. Um, uh, they, uh, it goes on and on and on and on and on. You know, it says <laughs> you've got to have it in context, or then it's just a swipe at the government um the government is stoking a culture war apparently it's all rishi sunak's fault this twitter feed or something um we got doxxed um and then there's this then at the end it says trans is joy and and then they throw the band member under the bus they sort of say that there are tweets that weren't in keeping with our, our high values and our Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Virtuous outlook. It's like, what? Do you mean the Iron Apple one, mate? Are you going to. I'd say, not in keeping with our values. Bloody hell. It's not in keeping mm. with the values of your average category B prisoner, mate. <laughs> Never mind your band. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's just, and it's so lofty. It really he, is. Like, um... it's, it's just funny. It's so funny. Sorry, God. <laughs> The Brookside one has been um, booted from the band now because he doesn't meet up with their values. So, so Sal Grover no. had absolutely the best response uh, to this. If I just pause, it, it is worth me finding if, if I possibly can. Here it is. Sal responds saying... You know how you kicked a man out of a band for having rape fantasies about women? Well, women just want to be able to kick males out of female spaces. And one of our reasons for that is that too many males have goddamn rape fantasies about us. So we just want to do what you did. <laughs> Think about that the next time you're protesting women wanting only female spaces, comma, dickheads. <laughs> It's even funnier if you read it in in Sal Grover's Queensland accent. I just thought that was tweet of the day. It's just brilliant. <laughs> well said, Sal. So, someone wrote up about that protest, and I can't remember where it was. I think it was in the Spectator, and it was they, in the mail. There was a detail was from it that I thought was the mail. That's right. Yes, there yeah. was a detail from it that I thought was just so precious. You know, they turn up lots of the times with homemade placards that are on bits of cardboard. Yeah. Trans rights now and all that sort of protect trans kids, blah, blah, blah. Well, apparently yeah. some woman was waving one of these placards. <laughs> and what it actually said on it was microwave oven <laughs> before she managed to turn it around to show, <laughs> to show the, the slogan on the other side. 
<laughs> that must have confu- confused the, the hell out of oven. Kelly JK. <laughs> Why am I being protested by <laughs> microwave oven fans? What have I done to upset the microwave community? <laughs> God, they're idiots. Oh aren't they? my God. There was, there was another funny. Another funny one from that as well was this man who had a kind of sheet of A5 paper with something scrawled on it. It's like, you're not really committed to this, are you? Yeah, put some damn effort <laughs> in. Tiny little writing on it. A... <laughs> God's sake. What's oh, going dear, on with oh, trans dear. activists these days? Oh, Just I know. ripping up a bit of cardboard, writing down microwave oven, not even getting the slogan <laughs> right. Honestly, you just can't get the mad gender borg these days that we you that we used to get. I swear. They were better in my day, Clive. <laughs> Idiots. They were better. Yes, yes. Well, microwave oven. I, I fully stand behind that, that statement. Yeah, me too. Me too. Who doesn't who doesn't love a microwave? My mother in law oh, is a big fan of microwaves, so she'd agree with that. <laughs> Yes, well, they're marvellous, marvellous inventions. <laughs> Microwave ovens, let's have more of those placards. Then, of course, there was the hilarious interview with some gurning woman in a really horrible pair of dungarees going, why can't a woman have a cock? Like <laughs> what do you say to that? I mean, what do you say to that? I think what you say to that is is like you would say in court, no further questions, my lord. Thank you very much. <laughs> just, I'll just leave it there. I'll just leave it there. Um, hey, Clive, can I just go back? Can I just go back one topic? Because there's one thing that we've missed to do with Jenny Watson, which which is this. She posted this week because, as you know, she's had this lesbian speed dating event and had all the rigmarole where the pub were trying to close it down. She posted on Twitter this week that mm-hmm. apparently she has seen te- text messages have been leaked to her where people are planning to turn up and crash the event. And what they're going to do is pretend to be lesbian. So it'd be a bunch of women, straight women, probably trans activists. Um, and then in the middle, they're planning to hand out leaflets and denounce everyone and basically make everyone's night awful. Um, I know that. Um, mm-hmm. what, what can I say on this? I know measures are being put in place and a, a number of things are being considered to, to remedy that. But I just wanted to mention that as well, if I may, and, and sort of shout out to Jenny and salute her bravery doing this because I know that she she is doing everything in her power to make sure that this happens and that there is a space for for lesbians in London notwithstanding once again these ghouls these imbeciles breaching boundaries going where they're not welcome and just trying to screw things up for lesbians so I just wanted to mention that that is also happening uh, in the background as well if I may the more they are losing the argument the more vicious they're going to become yeah we just have to be prepared for that yeah. Well, we're we're coming up to the hour plus mark, Mr. D. So okay. I think we've done our duty for today. I think we have. I will see you next week for another round of the gender wars. As I said at the head top of the episode, we won't be doing any recording on the weekend of the twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty ninth, because we've got other things that we're doing. Fabulous, yeah. fabulous things. So we we will be putting something out soon after that though or i will be anyway because dennis has an employer and they actually expect him to work for a living <laughs> so it's totally 
Yeah, totally unreasonable, mate. <laughs> totally unreasonable. All right, everyone. Thank you to all our listeners, subscribers, and viewers on YouTube. Keep watching, keep listening, keep sharing, keep subscribing, and send me money because this stuff <laughs> does not come free. <laughs> okay, everyone, have a lovely weekend. Hope you are enjoying whatever weather is coming your way in London. It's very temperate at the moment. So um, have a lovely time. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.